You're at work and you see a notification pop up on your phone from your friend. Before you know it, you find yourself scrolling endlessly on social media and you lose track of time. Or maybe you're at home, binge watching Netflix late into the night. You grab your phone and order some takeaway pizza, even though you ate dinner just a couple of hours ago. You're at dinner with your friends and instead of enjoying the moment, you find yourself refreshing your email inbox, waiting for those work emails to ping through. In an age of compulsive overconsumption, we've all become pleasure addicts. If you can relate to any of these, then this video might be interesting for you. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm Zabir. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button. We're going to break down what dopamine is, why it has a bad rep, and then we'll dive into the dopamine detox. There's an inner flame that surges through us, a driving energy that fuels our desire to pursue our goals, desire to pursue our dreams, to reach our objectives. Dopamine is that inner flame. It's the intrinsic energy that fuels our logging to push beyond boundaries and materialize our deepest desires. And when direct appropriately, it can be a powerful tool. So why would you need to detox from this force? We'll get into that later. First, you need to understand what dopamine is and how dopamine works. I'll try to explain as best as I can. In simple terms, evolution has designed the brains of all mammals to reward us for anything that will increase our chances of survival and reproduction. In other words, searching for food and sex. The next bit is a bit of a scientific overview, but feel free to skip this part if that's not your thing. I'll put the timestamps below. This is dopamine. It's the molecule of motivation, craving and movement. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter or chemical messenger that plays crucial roles in transmitting signals between nerve cells, which are also called neurons. Dopamine is produced in various parts of the brain, but mainly in two areas called the substantia nigra and the ventral tegmental area. It's also produced in your adrenal glands and your kidneys as well. The simplest way to describe its functions is by describing the two key pathways dopamine is involved with in the brain. The first is a nigrostriatal pathway. Bear with me. This pathway originates from dopamine neurons in the substantia nigra and it projects to the dorsal striatum, hence why it's called nigrostriatal. This pathway is mostly associated with motor control and the substantia nigra is an important area of the brain responsible for regulating voluntary movements. When dopamine is released from the substantia nigra into the striatum, it helps to fine-tune motor control, allowing smooth and coordinated movements. This actually reminds me of someone I met one morning at medical school. The hospital was warm and the corridors were brimming with activity. As I followed the consultant on the ward round, I noticed an elderly gentleman sitting quietly in his hospital bed, seemingly lost in his thoughts. His hands trembled slightly and his facial expressions appeared masked, lacking the usual range of emotions, but it was 9am after all. I asked the consultant about the patient and he explained that the patient had been admitted for pneumonia, so chest infection, and he also had a history of a movement disorder. And the consultant told me to go and see the patient after the ward round. And once the rounds were complete, I headed over and approached the patient and he looked at me with sort of a kind but distant gaze. I introduced myself and I asked him if it would be okay to perform a quick neurological exam and he agreed. During the examination, I noticed his hand tremors becoming more pronounced as I asked him to perform simple tasks. His movements were slow, and they lacked fluidity, as if he was struggling to initiate and control them. Recognizing the potential significance of these signs, I asked him about his history, and the patient shared his journey of living with Parkinson's disease. It's a condition that progressively affected his ability to move and express himself over the years. It was quite sad, actually. He told me about the difficulty he has now with doing simple things like buttoning his shirt in the mornings. He spoke about how his condition had impacted not only his physical abilities, but also his emotional well-being. And this encounter reminds me of the importance of seeing the person beyond the disease. So. In Parkinson's disease, there's a progressive degeneration of the dopamine producing neurons in the substantia nigra. This leads to a significant reduction in dopamine levels in the striatum, causing the 
motor symptoms associated with the disease, such as tremors, rigidity, and difficulty initiating movements. The second pathway, and the one that we'll focus on today, is the mesolimbic pathway. It's meso because it arises in the midbrain or mesencephalon, and it's limbic because it sends its fibers to the um, to the limbic system. The limbic system involves part of the brain responsible for emotional and behavioral responses. Importantly, the mesolimbic pathway serves as a fundamental mechanism for motivation, reward, and reinforcement. As a result, it's highly conserved across mammalian species. This basically means that the pathway remains relatively unchanged across different species over time. So think of dopamine as the universal currency for pursuing our goals. It helps to ensure the survival, adaptation, and successful functioning of different species. So dopamine is a critical modulator of learning and motivation. It's involved in evaluating the availability of incentives such as asking yourself questions like is this worth it and then translating the evaluation into some kind of action the concepts of reward and punishment are inseparable for motivation rewards are things that lead to a process of reinforced behavior because there's a positive outcome and repetition of a behavior indicates that it's rewarding and punishments are the opposite you avoid behaviors that are punishing on top of those dopamine producing actions, you have a baseline frequency of dopamine release, meaning that it's always being released in the background. This baseline can increase or decrease based on our thoughts and actions. Our baseline dopamine levels can be influenced by things like sleep, your nutrition, genetics, and your dopamine history. It's really important to maintain a good and sufficient baseline of dopamine release. Otherwise you'll find yourself difficult to sustain day-to-day -day motivation. You don't want your baseline to be too low, otherwise you'll lack motivation for anything. It reminds me when I was sat in my living room at home the day after surgery a few years ago and my arm was immobilized and I was in constant pain. Because of the surgery, I wasn't allowed to drive so I can see my friends. I couldn't go to the gym or do the things that I actually like doing. But the thing that bothered me the most were the simple acts of getting comfortable for sleep or showering or getting dressed in the mornings. They all turned into a slow and painful process. The independence I once had was replaced by a constant need for assistance and my days were full of frustration and disappointment. Because my baseline dopamine was so low due to the restricted activities because of the pain, I struggled to find pleasure in even the simplest of things. Motivation was genuinely at rock bottom for me. I just couldn't be bothered to do anything. On the flip side, you don't want your baseline to be too high either because that can lead to this thing called addiction. Addiction to things like gambling, drugs or alcohol involves effectively hijacking the brain's natural reward system, which we explained that dopamine has a big role in. All right, so we've briefly discussed dopamine's many roles, including pleasure, reward, cognition, movement, and our willingness to do something. So why does dopamine have a bad reputation? Why do we need to detox from it? If you have to detox from something, you typically are doing it for your own good. This essentially means that dopamine is inherently a bad molecule. Let's explain what happens after pleasure. We've all experienced this, whether it's playing another round of Call of Duty or reaching for a another slice of pizza, we don't want the feeling of pleasure to fade. Addiction results from compulsive and repetitive behaviors which can trigger dopamine release. This addiction element probably contributes to dopamine's bad reputation. Too much pleasure can lead to addiction, and addiction typically involves developing a tolerance to a substance, and this means that you need more of that substance to feel the same effects. Dopamine plays a role in this process, and after indulging in these cravings, you can feel empty and restless and sad. Brain dopamine firing decreases not only to baseline levels, but to below baseline levels. And this transient dopamine mini deficit state is what motivates us to seek our reward. Dopamine levels below our baseline drive craving. And this tends to return to normal as your baseline dopamine levels recover. However, people who escape this painful relapse with further dopamine hits can lead to addiction. Case in point, 
drug addicts. This is because consistent drug misuse eventually leads to overstimulation of the reward center. Its pathways become overwhelmed, making it harder for it to handle the higher levels of dopamine being released. The brain has a failsafe mechanism and tries to solve the problem in two ways, by decreasing production of dopamine and by reducing the available number of dopamine receptors. This basically means that there is a less of a chance of a dopamine molecule binding to its native receptor. So it will take more of the drug to provide the same level of satisfaction and pleasure. And this is called tolerance. Dr. Lemke explains this in her bestseller, Dopamine Nation. So we've explored what dopamine is, what it's involved in. So what is a dopamine detox? It's essentially where you have to eradicate yourself from all the things and behaviors that make you feel pleasure in your life for a period of time. More specifically, people tend to avoid or limit activities that provide instant gratification, such as social media, gaming, binge watching TV, avoiding certain foods and um, not seeing friends. The idea is that after this period, you emerge as a new person without all the excess dopamine you're used to having. Individuals are also encouraged to engage in calmer and more mindful activities such as reading, spending time in nature, meditating, journaling or exercising. Okay, so what are the issues? They tend to stem from a misunderstanding. The first thing is that you can't fast from a naturally occurring chemical in your brain. It's very unlikely that the reward pathway that's been conserved for millions of years will be altered or changed in any way by doing a one week or one month detox. On top of this, people tend to go back to their regular lives the day after a detox. So what actually changes? You can't really manipulate your brain by eliminating the production of dopamine by doing a detox. That's not really how it works. That's not how we've evolved. And it's all a bit experimental rather than a proven strategy. Another flaw relates to what I touched on earlier. Dopamine is important for other functions like voluntary movement. You can't really pick and choose when and where the molecule is being produced. And by detoxing from dopamine, you're placing all the negative behavioral emphasis on this one molecule. In reality, your brain and therefore your behaviors are so much more complicated than that. Another issue is applying these to addiction especially in substances like alcohol. Immediate withdrawal from alcohol can kill you. And I've seen this in the hospital. It was a busy shift for me as usual and a patient was brought in by ambulance, relatively young as well. They'd been drinking heavily for years and by heavily, I mean a bottle of vodka a day. He suddenly stopped drinking for a period and was experienced severe withdrawal. He had anxiety and restlessness and he was sweating profusely and vomiting. When I was examining him, he was experiencing hallucinations and later on he suffered a seizure. And one of the medications we use to prevent further withdrawal effects is chlordiazepoxide. So yeah, this kind of highlights that dopamine fast shouldn't be used as a substitute for professional help for conditions like addiction or mental health disorders. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction or mental health issues, seeking guidance from a healthcare professional is important. So are dopamine detoxes worth the hype? Not in the traditional sense. I don't think that jumping on the bandwagon of restraining yourself from doing all the things that make you feel better is going to fundamentally rewire your brain's chemistry. Calling it a dopamine detox doesn't really make sense because that's not what it is. So how can we find balance in the age of overindulgence? Taking a break from overstimulation and unplugging from the online world can be beneficial. Here are five things that might help. I'd focus on engaging in creative hobbies that require skill development over time with delayed gratification in mind. Remember, the pursuit is the reward. Focus on building your relationships with others. We are social beings. Practice mindfulness techniques like meditating or journaling because these can help you gain better control over your emotions and help you make healthier decisions overall. Set time limits for certain activities like social media or emails on your phone. And lastly, try to distance yourself to triggers that activate negative and overindulgent behaviors. It's good to slow down from time to time. Okay guys, that brings me to the end. I hope you learned something new. Don't forget to subscribe, otherwise you'll miss out on upcoming videos. Peace.